Grab your seats, everybody. Good morning. It's good to be in the house. I'm already moving the furniture, as you can see. Central, there we go. Brilliant. How's everyone doing? Are you good? Isn't it good to be in God's house this morning? And I have a prop with me today. Dan has loaned me his doll's house. I mean, <laughs> the girls have loaned me their doll's house this morning. But this is going to represent God's house today. And I'm going to have a little bit of fun with this later on in the message. But we're in the series called God's House, Our House. Now, I don't know about you, but recently I've been thinking that things aren't built to last like they used to be. For example, my dad has got a chainsaw from 25 years ago, and it's still going strong today. My mum's got one of those old-fashioned food mixers back from perhaps the 70s that is still going well today to whisk up the meringue mix, you know, one of those. But there's things I buy that don't last like they used to. I mean, please help me here, people. Washing machines. I don't know if I go through washing machines. Years ago, they used to last like 10, 12 years. Two to three years tops, my washing machine lasts now. And then the bearings go or something happens. And actually, it's cheaper to buy a new washing machine than it is to have it repaired. Last Christmas, we treated ourselves to one of these all-singing, all-dancing waffle makers. And the girls were like, brilliant, waffles for breakfast. It lasted three months, and the clips snapped, and you couldn't get the waffle out of the metal plates. And so we contacted the company. They're like, oh, yeah, just scrap it. We'll give you your money back. Things aren't built like they used to be. But there is something that is built to last, and that is the house of God. We are the house of God. You are the house of God. And today when we've gathered together in the house of God, this is where we come to worship God as community, as family. So say hello to your uncles and aunties, your mums and dads in the house, your cousins, your brothers, your sisters. This is the family of God. This is the house of God. And God has built his house to last. Because in fact, Jesus is coming back for this house. He's coming back for us, his glorious, passionate bride. And we are to represent God well as his house, built to last. I'd like to share with you Psalm 92, verses 12 to 15. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. And this passage, passage of scripture is talking about when we get planted in God's house, our roots go down deep. A cedar tree has deep roots that go under the ground for a very long way. It can't be pushed around by the wind. It won't easily fall over because it's rooted in the ground. And when we get rooted in the house of God and we become all about his house first and then our house, we get planted, we will flourish. That is the promise. And it tells us there there's a promise attached that you'll bear fruit in old age. So every season of your life, when you're planted in the house of God, you shall bear fruit. And to be planted doesn't mean you dip in and out. It doesn't mean when it's convenient or when I haven't got anything else on. But when we choose to prioritize God's house first, 24-7, and in the corporate gathering on a Sunday, we will bear fruit, we'll flourish, we won't be tossed around by the things of life and be like, 
trees that snap and fall down because we are rooted in the house of God. Now, everybody here this morning, I hope, has come from a home. You've come from wherever you live. You might live in a house, a bungalow. You might rent a room. Wherever is home to you, that's where you reside. That's where you live. And in our homes, we take responsibility, don't we? Who knows there are jobs that need to be done in the houses? Who's got teenage children in the house? There we go. Are you training them that there's something called a wardrobe and not a floor drobe? Because that's where you put your clothes. That there's, isn't that right, Joshy? There's things that we need to do in our houses. We need to maintain our houses, don't we? We do work on our houses. We service our boilers. We decorate our homes. We make sure they're secure. I hope we've all locked the house this morning. We make sure nobody can get into our house while we're at church. We, make, we do things in our house to be responsible. There's jobs that need to be done. The bins need to go out. Tuesday morning in our house, bin bag day. It's like, quick, get the bins out. Kenny knows all about that. But we need to be responsible. We need to have order in our house, in our families, the people that we live with. We need to communicate. We need to grow together in our houses. We need to know our roles and our responsibilities in our homes. And this is exactly the same in God's house. When we become Christians and we get planted in the house, we're responsible. Do you know, every single person here and those watching online, God has given you a unique calling. He's given you gifts. He's given you abilities. He's given you vision, desires, passion in here that God has put within you that he's saying, come and sow it in my house. I want that in my house. And each of us has a calling to be planted in the house of God and to use what he's given us. Nobody has missed out on gifts here. Everybody has something. And they don't all look the same like we, last week, Pastor Barry's message. They're unique. We're not meant to be a carbon copy of anybody else. God has given you a unique purpose and a gift for such a time as this to use in God's house. We need to get responsible about the house. That we don't just leave the house unlocked or the doors open. We don't leave it in a mess or disorder. That we take responsibility for God's house. What can I do? What can I build in your house? And I want to look at this through the story of Nehemiah. And as we touched on last week, Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. And he heard about the walls that surrounded the temple in Jerusalem were in complete ruin. They'd been completely destroyed. Fires had broken out. The city had been plundered. There was all sorts of awful things going on. And it broke Nehemiah's heart. He had a heart for Jerusalem. And he thought, I've got to do something about this. So he left the day job. He left what he normally did, and he set about a mission to rebuild the walls. And we learnt last week how he did go about that mission. In 52 days, the walls were restored to their former glory. They worked side by side with weapons in one hand, with tools in the other. They filled the gaps in the wall. Everybody had a purpose, and everybody had a role. And they did it together, and the walls were restored to that former glory. But I want to pick up the story. After the walls have been restored and there's great celebration, there then is a scene in chapter 9 of dramatic and humble repentance by the people. You see, the Israelites realized that the only reason the walls had been destroyed and destruction had happened is because they'd turned their hearts away from God. They'd not been about God's house first. And in turn, 
the walls had been destroyed, the plunder had happened because they'd got busy in life with their own house and their own desires and their own responsibility because, yeah, our houses need to be built. We've got families, we have jobs, we have businesses, we have desires, we have hobbies, we have all of these things like they did. And yet they'd taken their eyes off the ball and it wasn't God's house first and God's ways first, but it was all about their house. And this scene comes up in chapter 9 where they go into a time of mourning they put on sackcloth and ashes. They fast and they're heartbroken because they realize, God, we left you out of the equation. We're all about us and we weren't about you. And in that moment, God in his goodness and his greatness and his mercy brings what? Forgiveness to the people. And he says, yeah, I forgive you. But what the people did in this moment of feeling so broken, they decided that we can live better than this. We can put God and his ways first for our life. We can be about the temple and his house and what's important to him. And so they decided to make a covenant, to make an agreement, to write down in order what they would do to be God your first and me second. And this is what they did. So in Nehemiah verse nine, sorry, Nehemiah chapter nine, verse thirty-eight. In view of this, we're making a binding agreement, putting it in writing, and our leaders and our Levites and our priests are affixing their seals to it. And part of this agreement would be that they would put God and his temple first, that they would be about the temple, they'd be about the business of God's house. And they sealed it. And back then you would have like the waxy type seal on the agreement that was your signature at the time it was a binding covenant agreement with God it was a document they decided they'd been so broken-hearted but they would put God and his house first and part of this to do this they were going to literally put their money where the mouth was they were actually going to say okay in order for us to put your house first God do you know what we've withheld our tithe and we're going to bring into the storehouse we're going to bring into your temple the tithe in order for the house to function well. And this is in Nehemiah 10 verse 32. They said, we assume responsibility for carrying out the commands to give a third of a shekel each year for the service of the house of God. We will be responsible with bringing to God what is God's. We'll be responsible to bring it into your house so the house can function, so that the ceremonies can go ahead, so the people can be fed, so that there's people around and about the temple, so that the walls are protected. We will be about your business. And they were being reminded of what Jacob had done in Genesis 28. When Jacob said to God, he literally said it, and I thought, I love the way he just approaches God. God, I'm going to give you your tenth, but will you bless me? And when you bless my household, I'm going to give you what is yours. And it's always about a heart issue. It's never about the money or the amount. Some people get so hung up on the tithe and giving it to God and blessing his house. But the truth is, everything you have in your family, in your life, in your business, in your work, in your finances, God has given that to you. And so when we give it back to God, we're literally saying, God, this is your portion. I want to bless your house. I want to be about your house. And this is what they did in the binding agreement. They said, we've forsaken your house, but we will be about your house and your business. God's house first, ours second. And the beauty is, is, as I unpack this message, is when you put God first, everything else is already given to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. God knows what you need. He knows what you need to function. He knows the need you have financially. He knows the emotional needs you have. And God will always give you what you need. But we need to say, God, it's you first. Him at the top, 
then our life flows down from that. God, your house first, then my house. And part of this agreement was, God, we're not going to do it again. We're going to be about your business. We're putting it in writing. We're going to be for your house first. And so we can be like that. We can say, God, this is your house. I want to be about your house. So therefore, my time, therefore, my gifts, my talents, the things you've called me to do, my help, my volunteering, my finances, I'm going to plow into your house. Because I know when I get rooted in your house, not only do other people flourish, but I flourish. When I get about your business, then things happen. When I get about the lost, then the lost get saved. Salvation happens. I want to be about your house, Lord God, and I would do that with this agreement. In Nehemiah 10, verse 39, again, as part of the agreement, the people of Israel, including the Levites, are to bring their contributions of grain, new wine, and olive oil to the storerooms, where the articles for the sanctuary and for the ministering priests, the gatekeepers, and the musicians are also kept. We will not neglect the house of our God. They made that decision. We've neglected it, but now we've made a choice. God your house first. We want to see your house function and flow in all that it's called to be, the beautiful bride of Christ that will be so attractive to bring the lost into the house of God. And they talked about bringing the contribution of grains. They're talking about the tithe. But on top of that, they're bringing more. They're bringing offerings of oil. They're bringing new wine. They're bringing newness into the house so that every aspect of the house can function. They went from a place of neglect to accountability. They decided we're going to be accountable here. We're not going to neglect. We've got the seal on the document and we're going to encourage each other to live right with God first, our house second. They desired to bring God their tithes and their offerings and their time and their service because they wanted to put him first and not neglect the house of God. And, you know, we say that word accountability and some people get annoyed. I don't want to be accountable to someone. They get all like a feathers ruffled about it. But in the house of God, in family here, accountability literally means we have a conviction in our hearts of how we're going to live. And the outworking of that is in our behavior. So if I say, okay, I'm going to walk the dog every morning. And then Dan says to me, have you walked the dog this morning? Because that's what you said you'd do. And I say, no, I haven't. I could have all the excuses under the sun, but I'm not being accountable to the fact I said I would do that every day. So he brings me into that place of accountability. And we need to be like that in church. We need to be accountable for our giftings in this house, accountable to each other, to draw out the best in each other. That it says in the word of God, iron sharpens iron. And so actually it's not saying, well, what are you doing and being pointing the finger? But it's saying, do you know what? You've got a big call on your life. God has gifted you and he wants to see you use it in his house to bring about fruit in his house, to bring the lost in so that his house functions in the right way. So we're actually saying to each other, can we be accountable to one another in this house? Can we say, okay, how are you doing? You said you were going to be at that meeting and you weren't there. What happened? Can we help each other to draw out the giftings that God has placed in us by being accountable? It's healthy to be accountable. It's healthy to keep helping one another. That's what we're doing in our connect groups all the time. We've got an amazing um, connect group like I know many of you are part of. But we're accountable to one another. If someone says, I'm going to go for this this week, we're saying, right, okay, have you done that? Because I'm going to hold you accountable because I know it's the best thing that God wants for you. And we're helping each other draw out our giftings and our callings for the house. We're helping each other be present in the house, not dipping in and dipping out, but being about God and his house 24-7. 
So to be accountable today, I've got a couple of questions that the Holy Spirit put on my heart. And these are ones for you to ponder at a later date. But the first one is, is it God's house first or your house first? Is it God's house first or your house first? Is it your dream first or God's dream first? Is it your dream first or God's dream first? When we get it flipped around, when he says in his word he'll take care of our house, when we take care of his, it's easy to make that decision to say, okay, God, I'm going to be about you, I'm going to be about your business. I'm going to be accountable in the house for my gifts and my calling and my service and what I can simply do when I see something needs doing. I'm going to be accountable. Let's encourage each other. The question is, does God have a heart, isn't it? Like with the tithe, it's not about the issue of money, but it's about does God have a heart? And I want to look at today that as a church, we have a value, sorry, we have a set of values as a church and we have a vision statement. And many of you are quite new to the church and you may never have seen our vision statement or our values. So I'm going to run through them today um, with you. So Sam has used some of his talent and has put together some lovely slides for me, which I'm very pleased about. And so I'm going to read to you our vision statement. As you can see on there, it's to win souls, make disciples, transform communities and transform nations and when I see that as a big vision statement and I see that and you know what as we co-labor with God we need people to do that we need to be a team we need to be together we need to be present we need to be in the house to win souls make disciples transform communities and transform nations and the history of our church is that we're doing that but you know what there's more to come because we're in a new season and God has got more for his house in this season. So I want to encourage you that that is our vision statement. And then we have five values as a church. And this is in the acronym of heart. And I love that, that it's heart. So the first one is honour. So think of this in terms of accountability. Honour means we seek to honour God and each other. We seek to honour God and each other. Are we honouring God in our lives, church? And are we honouring each other in this house? How is your level of honour? I want to encourage you and stir you up in that today. It's one of our values, honour. The second one is excellence. And Pastor Barry touched on this last week. Excellence for us is not about perfection, but doing everything to the best of our ability. And the thing is, it's never about perfection because we're never going to be perfect and we're never going to get it right all the time. But this is our heart in it. You know what it's like when you say to your kids, okay, kids, it's time to tidy up your rooms. And they go, oh, you get that, okay, I've got to tidy my room. If their hearts are not in it, then they just do it rubbish. They shove stuff in the drawers, you know, they put things away. You open a cupboard weeks later and it all falls out at you. You've had those moments because their heart is not in it. But I find with our children, if you catch them at the right time and I say, okay, it's time to tidy all these dolls up now. And they've got the right moment. They will do it and they'll do it so neat. And they'll like, da-da, they present it because their heart is in it at that moment to do it right. But it's our heart needs to be in for excellence to do it right. Not just that'll do in church, but actually I'm going to go above and beyond with what I've been called to do and do it with that heart of excellence. So it doesn't matter if it comes out right, it doesn't matter if it's wrong, but is your heart in it to do it to your best of your ability to sow in what God has given you. That's what excellence is about. Advancement. We believe in moving forward, making progress, and learning for mistakes. And I think this is so key in this time because you think prior to lockdown, 
We've come back to church, but I want to tell you people, if you haven't realized already, this is not church as normal because God is doing a new thing in his house. This is the new version of church and we need to co-labor and work with the Holy Spirit to see what God wants to do in his house to change stuff up because this is God's house and we will co-labor with God and with the instruction of the Holy Spirit to bring about what he wants to do in his house for this season in 2021. And I love what it says there that we learn from mistakes because we make mistakes. We're a family. Has anyone ever made a mistake in your home? Yes, we have. <laughs> Kenny said, no, but you have, Kenny. I saw the way you loaded the dishwasher. It was all wrong. But we need to learn from our mistakes. Are we going to get it right all the time? No, we're not. Have we had some howlers over the years? Oh, man, we so have. But we need to learn from them, and we need to move on, and we need to say we're going to do this together, corporately, community, with my brothers and my sisters and my aunts and my uncles and all the rest. It's about doing it together and advancing together, advancing the church, seeing how God wants to shape his church for such a time as this. Our fourth one is reaching out. We are intentional about extending hospitality and friendship to others. Intentional. It's just not like, ah, oh, I see you on a Sunday. I'll see you next week. Are we in each other's lives in the week through connect groups, through friendships, through seeing the people that perhaps on the edges of church and inviting them in? You know, who knows? A lot of stuff gets said and done over a meal. That's where hospitality comes. That's where God is. That's where things get changed. Prayer happens. All those things when we're in each other's life, we need to be together, uh, reaching out. We need to go into the next one already. We need to be intentional about hospitality. We need to be in one another's lives. And I love it when I hear all through the church of different relationships, building different people that are seeing each other in the week, people that are on the phone, people that are praying for one another. We need to do that well. Real love, real life, real community. That is all part of reaching out. And the fifth one is togetherness. Whenever I read this, I always think, if we want to be together... <laughs> get that in there togetherness it's about serving together it's about growing together it's about living life together with the common vision and you know we've got to choose to do that together and stuff happens doesn't it things happen in relationships but if we choose to be unified together with the common vision that this is all for God is for you and your house that we can be, do it together. And actually, it's much easier to do stuff together when we serve together. You know, the more the merrier. More, many hands make light work. All those things, we need to do this together so that we can sharpen one another in our gifts and our callings. So together, we can make God's house glorious so we can reach a lost and dying world. So my question is, is your heart in the house? Have you got the heart values? Are you going to challenge yourself with honour and excellence and advancement? And reaching out and togetherness. Can we challenge ourselves to be accountable to that? Can we have accountability between ourselves in that? What are we looking like planted in this church? And so I've got my lovely prop here of this house. But there's some things that need doing in this house. So I have my wonderful assistant, Daniel, who's going to come and help me today with the house. Here we go. Very good. Remember, this is his house, not the children's. Yep. So this is part of the Surveillian families, all you parents out there probably realise. But I don't know if you can see at the back here, but at the moment the house is in disorder. There are things all over the place. The beds are not made, in fact they're upside down. There's dining room furniture at the top. There's a sink on the balcony. 
there is a toilet in the wrong place, a bath. There are people or animals, as they are, upside down in the bath. This needs changing. Okay, but this house is going to represent today the house of God. And there's many rooms and there's many ministries represented in here. But it needs changing around because it's in a bit of a jumble. But in here, I want to show you there's prayer here. And there's some prophetic movement is in here. There's connect groups. There's community. There's hospitality. At the back here is where all the joy is because there's joy in the house. And there's salvation in the house. And there's youth is in the house there. And we've got our children's ministries. We've got community product, projects. We've got ministry for the elderly. There's so much in the house, but it needs reordering and tidying up. Dan is doing a brilliant job. There's no instruction of where it goes, so who knows what could happen here. But I've asked him to come alongside and help because things need to change in the house. And actually, as we gather people, and I'd like to have gathered more people to do it, but we'd be like a whole gathering of people at the front would be too much. But what he's representing is, he's saying, I'm going to get stuck in to your house, God. And I'm going to work with the gifts and the calling and the things you've put on my life to make a difference in the house of God. Because he's got a lane to run in. And you've got a lane to run in. And you've got a lane to run in. And there's a calling on your life. And actually, as we run in our lanes together, we're not crossing over each other so that we trip each other up in the race. But we're going to run in the lane God has called us to, to fix what needs to be fixed in the house, to be in the right place of ministry, to be in the right calling. You know, when David went out to go and fight Goliath the giant, Saul said, wear my armor and put that on. And David started to put the armor on, but it was too heavy for him. It was ill-fitting for him. It wasn't his, his armor to wear. And so he said, no, I don't want to wear your armor. I'll take what I've got. I'll go out as I am with my slingshot. And one stone got thrown and the giants were slain. Because so often in church, I think over the time, one of the things we've been guilty of in the church en masse is people running in the wrong lanes, people doing something just because they can, but that's not what God has called them to. But actually, when we get about his business and we say, I'm going to pick up the tools you've given me to build your house, this is what happens. The house gets in order and things get in the right lanes and ministries are in the right place. And of course, things happen in the home because how many of us have dropped a glass at home? I've done it so many times. Yeah. One of the crystal ones, you're like, oh, no, that was a set. But when I drop a glass and it smashes everywhere... I don't then, year after year, just step over the broken glass that's in my house, you know, and risk cutting my feet. No, straight away, I sweep it up. I put it away in the bin bag. I hoover. I clean the mess that I've made. And then I'll go out and buy a better glass than the one I had. And I'll replace it. And God is saying in my house, do you know, there's been stuff that's been broken. There's been hurts. And there's been issues. And there's been offence. And there's been horrible things that have happened in my house and that was never my intention, but you're people. And this happens. But it's time to clear up the mess. It's time to get rid of it. And it's time to put it in order. And it's time to build my house. And the thing is, we need to, with the acronym of our heart values, we need to do, build the house with love. It's all about the heart and it's all about love. And we need to stop being critical. I just felt when I did this that there can be a critical spirit that comes into the house of God. And it's a bit like someone's on the sidelines going, oh, it's such a mess. 
I mean, I mean, look at that team. It's just a complete mess. I mean, it never works right. There's this that's wrong, or every week that happens. And we could be standing on the sidelines. And what about this in the house? And why is that not functioning well? And there's not this group. I mean, I've gone to this church and there's no men's breakfast. I mean, what's that all about? What's wrong with the fry up? Where's the fry up? And we stand on the sidelines and we tut and we're like, because it's not in the house. But this is where the second part of the house comes into because I really felt the Holy Spirit said, stop criticizing and start building it in my house. If you don't see it or it's not functioning well, it's time for you to build it. Maybe I'll put that on your heart to change what you don't see and make it good. And the thing is, when we look at the house of what needs fixing, we then can see what needs building. And there's some stuff that needs building. Because as Dan is going to bring over for me, there's two other parts of this house. You see, this looked like the house was complete. But in fact, it's not complete because there's two other sections that go on the side of the house. And as we start to build the house of God, as we start to say, do you know what, I'm going to sow in my time. I'm going to sow in my gifting to the house. Do you know what, I'm going to bring my finance to the house. I'm going to bring my tithe. And not only my tithe, I'm going to bring my offering into the house. And as I bring my tithes and my offerings, it makes more space. And as more is built on the house, you see, it allows more room for some more people to join in. It's saying, as I serve on a Sunday morning on that pack-up team that is hard graft and I need my muscles, thank the Lord for John Kidd, it's like, as it does that week after week after week, he's making room and building a house for some more people to come in. And as the people who lead us in worship and practice throughout the week, and they had a, worship was really um, before the service this morning, it was really hard. Things had gone wrong. These guys have pushed through since nine o'clock this morning in order for us to come into the presence of God. It's been difficult, but wasn't it amazing when God broke through through worship? But it takes time and it takes effort and it costs, but they're doing it because they're making more room. And the people that are out there today looking after our children so that we can be in here hearing the word, they're making in space and they're creating rooms so that more people can get involved and when each of us picks up our tools and we pick up our weapons and we're going to say we're going to build the house of God together we're going to be aware of what the enemy's doing and we have our weapon up we're going to fight for unity in this house and we're going to push away the enemy that wants to bring disunity and we're saying okay we've had some howlers but we're pushing through to this next season together because God is about his house and we need some more people to come in there's some more people out there who need to come in off the riverside a state and in this town who need to hear the full gospel of Jesus Christ and know about the house and as we build together it's going to be a glorious house because I see as we start to build the ministry that you're dreaming of that you haven't quite seen in the house actually it's going to be here and there it is that ministry that somebody's got for young women who wants to come alongside young women and see them flourish and see their lives pointing in the direction for God and to see all their giftings come out. You see, it's got room here. And that prayer ministry that's just not happening at the moment, but there's room for it to happen here. But God is saying, will you start something? Will you build it? Is it time for you to teach? Is it time for you to practically help? Is there a cup of tea that you can make? Is there some tidying up that you can do? Is there some counselling that you can get involved in? Is there some youth that need you to come alongside them and say, come on, I'm going to mentor you and help you through this tricky season of your life? Is there some practical things that you can do in the church? Is it time to sing? Is it time to play the instrument? 
Is it time to start the mums and toddlers group that you have at your house anyway each week, but you could open up the doors and invite some more people in? Is it time? I want to stir some stuff up in you this morning that God has not forgotten to gift you with ability. He's not forgotten to gift you with talent for such a time as this. There's something you can do in the house. And maybe it's something else I've not mentioned, but you've got that stirring. Maybe it's time for you to start to build the house of God together. Because when we do it together, you see collaboration equals multiplication. When you collaborate and you do stuff together, it's about a team effort. We do it. So when there's a win over here with the youth, we celebrate over here with the prayer because we were part of that anyway because we were praying for the youth. And when there's breakthroughs in our connect groups, we can celebrate with the people on the worship because actually they'd been praying for us and they'd led us into that place of worship on a Sunday and something kicked off on the Wednesday night. We need to be in this together. Collaboration equals multiplication. And we celebrate the wins together. We celebrate salvation together. We celebrate when people are set free, when prayers are answered, when breakthrough comes, because we're together, because we're family. We are in this together. If we go back to the story of Nehemiah, Nehemiah the cupbearer, who was literally a slave to the king, had such a burning vision in his heart to go and rebuild the walls. And he did that for God. And he did that with an audience of one. Whenever we serve, it's not about someone else seeing what we're doing, except God, because he looks at our heart and he sees that we're doing it for him. That I want to serve and do this for him. Not for anyone else, not for the applause of man, not to keep Pastor Barry happy. I want to do it because I'm doing it unto my God. And God is expecting a return on what he's gifted us. And God will be the one that honours and does reward us the other side of eternity. Nehemiah says something to God in Nehemiah 13, verse 31. He's talking about the things he's bringing into the temple for the um, workings out of the temple. I also made provision for contributions of wood at designated times and for the first fruits. Remember me with favor, my God. That's him saying, I've, I've done all this, God. I'm doing it unto you. I'm sowing in. This is my portion. I've made provision here. I've encouraged the people to be about your business. But God, will you remember me with favor? Because other people might not remember me, but will you? But the truth is, 2,000 years later, we remember the story of Nehemiah. We remember what he did for God because it was so amazing. But it was a man who had a compassion on his heart to go and be about God's business and say, God's house first, my house second. And God remembered him with great favor. And the truth is when we get busy in God's house and we get busy about building his house and we do it together so that we carry the load together, God is busy about your house because he knows what you need in your house. He knows what you need in your relationships, in your family, with your children. He knows the desires of your heart, your dreams, your goals. He knows all of that. And he very specifically says, when you build my house, I build your house. And he says this especially in reflection of the tithe. And it's a famous passage of scripture in Malachi 3 verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be that there will be not enough room to store it. Saying, test me in this. It's like testing God in it. And that's the truth of the tithe that you can test God in it. Okay, God, I'm gonna give this to you. 
and I'm going to see what you do. And the thing is, I can bear witness to that. Their whole lives, we have tithed. And I can tell you this, we've never gone without. And there's been moments where God has brought amazing breakthrough in our finances or in situations in our lives because we've put him first. And the same with our serving and the things we've done for God. It's like you bless God and you do everything unto him and he blesses your home. You give time for him and miraculously he gives you some time back. It's just the way it works because it's never about the money, but it's always about the heart. And God is saying this morning, church, do I have your heart? Do I have your heart? Is your heart for my house? Because as you build this first, I will build your house. Do you want God's best and blessing for your life and your family? If you do, it's about putting him first. He wants first place in our lives. That's where he requires, he wants us to put him Will you live generously? And I love the word generosity because generosity means more than is required. So when you're generous with your time or with your finance or with anything, it's about giving more than is required. And if the minimum requirement is, okay, I'm just going to turn up on a Sunday, that's great. But the more you can give is actually I'm going to sow my gifts in the house. I'm going to use what God has given me throughout the week to bless his house, to grow his house, and to stir up his people. So it's about living a generous life in every occasion, not just finances, but with your time, with your pursuit of God and his house. So I hope that has encouraged you this morning. If I could invite Matt to come and play keys for me, that would be great. But I'd just love to pray this in with you guys. So if you'd like to stand for me, that'd be brilliant. So you may want to close your eyes. You don't have to. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for your house, Lord. I want to thank you that we are your church. That today as we've gathered in your house, Father, that our common goal is to worship you, Jesus. Is to come and give our sacrifice of praise in your temple courts this morning, Lord God. And I want to pray, Father, for your church, for your house, for your people who you love so dearly. Father, that you would just breathe fresh life on each person here, Lord God that they would know that they build with you, Lord Jesus, that we're called to be co-laborers in your house. We're called to build this house, Father, to be the glorious bride that she is, to go out and reach some people. So I pray through this message, Father, that people would just hear your voice. Above all I've said, that they would just hear your voice for this moment, that you would just be calling people into your house, Father that you would just be stirring up hearts to have that heart and that passion to put you first, Lord God. Father, we want to say we're sorry when we haven't put you in your house first, when it's been about us and our homes. But we make a choice today, like the Israelites did, to say we're going to step into a new season and be about your house, Father. That we want to be a people known to be about the Father's business. So I pray, Holy Spirit, you'll just come and minister to each and every one of us. You stir up that passion to have a heart for your house. You stir again the gifts that you've put within each person, Father. For the gifts that have laid dormant, for whatever reason, I want to pray a calling out of every gift, Father. Of every ministry that's yet to be birthed in your people this morning. 
for every idea that keeps coming back. Well, could I, couldn't I, how do I step out in that? That you'd stir your people up this morning, that it's time to push on with the ministry that God has given you. It's time to pray those prayers. It's time to run the group. It's time to preach the message. It's time to write the song. It's time to sing the song. It's time to join the team. It's time to encourage someone. It's time to get connected. It's time to be about the Father's business in this house. So I pray, Father, you stir every heart up this morning. We go away full of you, Lord God, that it's all about you, Jesus. That we put you in that highest place in our lives again this morning. Say, I want to live for you and I want to live for your house. In your mighty name, Jesus.